1: Hi, welcome to Retro 20 on Flipping Dreams. I'm your host, Heather Renee May. And this is the perfect episode if you want a reminder of the last 10 episodes or if you've never tuned into Flipping Dreams and you kind of want to know what it's all about, but you don't want to make the hour-long investment. This episode, I do every 10 and I give you a little bit of a snippet from each of the previous 10 episodes. So let's kick it off. First episode, number 12, which was Joyful Pride with Elena Thurston. Man, this episode, um, I was just really just empowered and just grateful for the heart that Elena showed and sharing her story and being brave and fearless and uh, just showing us that, you know, it's never too late to make changes so that you can live your best and happiest life and honestly it's the best thing you can do for those around you it is not a selfish choice it is a necessary choice so uh elena if we remember she uh is an inspirational speaker and founder of the Pride and Joy Foundation. She grew up in a turbulent home like most of us, joined a conservative church as a teenager and put herself through college, married, had four beautiful children, and then realized that life 2.0 was going to be quite a bit different. And so she uh, ended up finding herself in love with her best friend of the same sex going through conversion therapy, uh, surviving it. And now she is so joyful, joy filled, and shares her story about how she overcame and came through this whole process, and how her kids are doing amazing. And she's helping encourage other families on how to have these difficult conversations. And uh, anyway, so I'm going to share with you just a little uh, sneak peek of this episode. Enjoy.
2: So um, I can remember going to a girl's night or like a mom's night out or something. We were at a neighbor's house. We were all hanging out, standing around the kitchen island, eating something, right? Probably complaining about our kids and our husbands. And, and, um, a common topic of conversation with these women was, um, oh what what meds are you on what doctor have you gone to like what's your dosage like all of these like mental health meds antidepressants and anti-anxiety and everything and I can I would have this intense emotional reaction which I'm sure played out all over my face because I'm absolutely horrible at acting (laughs) and this reaction was you people with your first world problems, like what do you have to be depressed about? Look at your life. What do you have to be anxious about? You have healthy kids and a great husband and you can pay all your bills. What is your problem, right? That was me, hmm. that was me. And I've since realized that whenever there is judgment, it is it is hiding a pain. And so it's very easy to see that I was very much struggling, but I would refuse to let myself admit that, right? Because I was so busy judging myself and judging everyone around me.
1: Which, by the way, is super universal, right? Yeah, it is. (laughs) And I'm sure as you've gone through this more and more, um, you're realizing that, yeah, this is something that a lot of people, it, it really is a struggle. So okay, continue. I just yeah yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I wish I had known it then, but I didn't. Sure, I know it sure. now. And now I'm I'm able to see, at least with myself and with the people that I work with, when you have an intense emotional reaction to something, there that's that's a sign. That's a huge flag. Yeah. You might want to check that out. So um, I started running as well. I started long distance running, literally running away from my life. Like I just needed a, a way to not hear the thoughts in my head. And then that was still like I still needed more. I was still upset. I was still dissatisfied and not content and um, my running coach was a guy who was also a fly fisher and i had i would been running my own professional photography business for a while and he uh, proposed a trade he would teach me how to run long distances and give me a training program and everything if i would teach him how to take photos on his fly fishing trips because most fly fishers don't keep the fish it's all catch and release so you might spend thousands of dollars on a trip and have nothing to show for it but the pictures, right? And so I was teaching him some photography tips and and then he had friends who wanted me to do the same thing, right? And I was like, man, if I'm gonna start charging money for this, I should probably learn more about it. And so I started taking lessons and I fell in love with it. Oh, I just absolutely fell in love. And what's amazing was that fly fishing can be so meditative you're standing in a river, which that in and of itself is so good for your mental health, but you have to be so present. You can't have all these tabs open in your brain of, right, did I read my scriptures this morning? Like, did I teach my kids the right thing last night? Like, you can't have all these things going on in your head. You have to be just totally present because you're casting and you're trying to catch that fish. And so it becomes very in flow, which is something I had never experienced before. And here I was like present and in my body and grounded and centered and it felt good. Mm. And that was something I had not experienced. And so weekends of that repeating over and over again, I started to release some of the shame and recognize what was actually going on, which was, I was not wanting to be married to a man and I was incredibly in love with my best friend.
1: Awesome. Okay. So we're going to move on to the next episode that we have, which was episode 13 and that was with Patty Grimm and Patty. Oh, what a powerful, powerful mentor and someone to really look up to. Um, She's a passionate leader, and she dedicates her life to empowering women and girls to be the best they can be in any endeavor they choose. Patty is an author, a speaker, a trainer, a coach. Uh, She's been on many podcasts, and she's very clearly a women's advocate. Um, Patty and I talked about all kinds of things, including, you know, highlighting her book, her quiet women never changed history, which I love. Be strong. Stand up and stand out. Let's go kick some glass. So we talked a lot about what it was like working your way up in a corporate world and then realizing that you this wasn't for you anymore and you need to flip your life around and make a difference. Uh, and so Patty definitely shows us how she's done that. She runs her own training and consulting company. Um, and this is after working for years as a leader uh, at companies like microsoft and johnson and johnson so she has a lot of business knowledge but also a lot of wisdom and i really got a lot of out of her chat so let's tune in and get a little snippet from that episode
3: so the next one is stand up so in order to stand up you have you've got to have something to stand on you need some kind of a foundation just like a house needs a strong foundation. You can remodel your house a thousand times. You can add rooms, change rooms, knock down walls, even take the whole thing off. But eventually you've got to have that strong foundation. That foundation for me is having a personal leadership vision, a statement that you actually use to make career and life decisions. And I tell people how to do that in the book, but I'll I'll give people a little bit of a hint now, is you can have a vision board, which are great, But I want you to have an actual vision statement about who you are and the kind of leader or person you want to be, the kind of legacy you want to leave in the world. So I tell people, take out your favorite pen and your favorite journal and go to your favorite place. Mine is always around water. Right, So I'd go to the beach or I'd go to the Lake Washington when I was working um, for Microsoft and I went through my crash and burn moment my rock started rock bottom and I lost who I was What helped me fail what helped me fail forward From that situation and be stronger than ever was refining my personal vision statement mm-hmm. Which is to make a difference and empower women and girls be the best they can be in any endeavor they choose And so what I want you to imagine is go to your favorite place with that pen and journal and imagine you're on your favorite show podcast show five years from now and you're surrounded by your friends and family and everybody who worked for you or worked with you, all your bosses, all your peers. And I want you to imagine on that favorite show, mine used to be the Oprah show. Now it's the Ellen show and could be any show on your, on your radar. And sitting there with all these friends and family talking about me in five years, the kind of leader I am of things like she made a difference, compassionate, strong passionate uh you know strategic thinker good decision maker trustworthy integrity honesty always tell you the truth made it kept coming back to made a difference made a difference impacted people helped people reach their full potential and so do this a couple of times, go spend a couple half an hour to a, maybe an hour there first day, go back again over a couple of courses of another couple of days and refine that and then get it down to about 16 words. So vision statements about 16 words that you can use to make career and life decision combined with your strengths. And so how I use this is that when I failed and was sitting on the bathroom floor in tears, mm-hmm. not able to get up and go to work to the job I loved, Traveling the world and making a big difference, I couldn't get up off that bathroom floor. The thing that got me back up was I need to live my vision and not try and live someone else's vision for me. I had to be me. Okay.
1: I hope we're all inspired to go kick some glass and uh, let's just move right into our next episode, which was episode 14 with the beautiful Diana Olenick, And I just was so refreshed by this ep- this episode, we had a very frank conversation about Diana's transitions. She, uh, originally a native from Colombia, she has a beautiful accent, and she had dreams of becoming a journalist, but then ended up obtaining a degree in engineering, uh, in structural engineering. And then she moved all the way to Canada, not speaking French, not speaking the language, and uh, ended up becoming an engineer there for years, but it took her years to work in her field, and that was something that was um, a real test to her patience and her faith. Um, she also, so she not only had to navigate the language, but she also had to be patient while she worked through In the banking industry had a family and then ultimately years later became an engineer and now she is an entrepreneur but some of the things that she highlighted in her talk were about minimalism and the importance of following your life flow and how alchemy is all around us and has the ability to shape our lives for the good i really love she's she has just such a beautiful positive outlook and i think you'll really enjoy let's tune in to a snippet and see what Diane has to say.
4: Alchemia. alquimia is alchemy in Spanish. So um, and also success because although everybody thinks that success is something that you can get, it's kind of like the word almost implies success is there in the future. Nobody knows, not many people knows. Uh, I always ask in my in my podcast, what is your definition of success? and the purpose and interestingly enough many people have came like to say in the their conclusion is that su- success is something that we already have <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's beautiful even though we kind of initially thinking success is something when i am you know have this money or have these expectations but many people you know, all have realized and said right there at the moment when i asked that question success is, 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 um, now success happening now,
1: now. Yeah, so success it's beautiful is now. because,
4: that. um, that's, that's why, um, the, the name of the podcast was in order to extract from them, what are their secrets to success? But it mm. is beautiful that the life is showing again is, Hey, the success is now. <laughs>
1: oh, beautiful. I love that. That's so cool. I was wondering about that word and how all of that played together. So thank you for sharing that.
4: Yeah, so the the podcast, of course, is available in all the platforms or in the most, um, you know, uh, popular ones that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Anchor. Yes. Awesome.
1: Ah, so beautiful. So, all right, let's move right along, shall we? Let's tune in to our episode. Our next episode is episode 15 with Tosh Turner. And whoo. What an inspiration. First of all, this woman is so beautiful and just, ah, I love her hair. <laughs> but, um, she is also really, really inspiring. And this was a talk I kind of needed to hear myself, uh, to be encouraged as well. Um, we talked about passion pursuits, career pivots, her healthcare wake up call, and the importance of running your own race. Um, Tosh, you know, she ended up having this huge wake-up call with her own health that was a tumor in her brain, and she, that just shook everything up for her and for her son, and so I loved hearing how she gracefully navigated that challenge, that obstacle in her life, how she remained positive and full of faith, and then continued to push forward, and now she is not only transforming her own life but she's helping others to also do the same so um she has a book out called charlie and the bigfoot the new school and this book is all about what it's like to be new and how scary it is and um it's just a great great message for young people and also older people too so um again she focuses on don't look at other people around you, but just keep running your race. And I love that. I love that vision. So let's tune in to Tosh and see what she has to say.
5: So you just have to make up in your mind when there is something that you want to do, you're going to do it. Because again, I go back to what I said earlier, life is short. And when I say short is one moment you think you're perfectly healthy and the next thing they do, they tell you that you have a tumor in your head. And that's that's the reality of life. And don't, I'm not saying that to scare you, but what I'm saying, uh, that, um, what the reason I'm saying that is to tell you that you never know when, what, or how, but the reality is you make up your own narrative, you control what your life is going to be. And mm-hmm. so that's every single day you have to make an effort to decide is today a good day or not. Because no matter what, you can wake up in the morning and you accidentally stepped on your cat. That would be totally sad. Don't do it. But it could happen if the cat goes by and you, at the same time you're putting your feet down to the ground. So that's a bad thing. So the, the cat's hurt. You spill coffee all over you. You try to start your car. It doesn't start. You, you're late for work. All of these things are occurring, but guess what? You still are in control. And you decide whether to turn that day around by having a positive attitude and you decide that you're going to um, make the effort for that day to be better. And that's just with everything. You are the person that's in charge of deciding whether something is going to be good or bad or deciding that you're going to step out and do something in the first place. You make those decisions, no one else. And the other thing that I'll say about that is you are in control of your success. So you have to decide what success looks like to you. And I think that's part of why a lot of people become very fearful and don't want to tackle new things is they think about what other people will think and say, and they also think about how they will measure up to someone else. But again, one of the other quotes that I quote very often is run your own race, Hmm. run your own race. So if you're looking at the other folks that are in the race, you're probably not going to win because you're focused on the wrong things. If you focus on you and focus on the finish line, then no matter what place you come in, it's a success because you finished. And Mm -hmm. and that's just it. So you write a book and you didn't publish it this time. You finished. Give yourself permission to be excited about something that you've done. The key is to finish. And then from there, the next time that you write a book, maybe you do publish it. The next time that you do this, maybe you do that. So the point being, don't be fearful because you are trying to figure out whether you're going to measure up to someone else. You're not them. Totally different person. Just be you. Be authentically you. Be excited about who you are. Celebrate your differences. And don't be afraid to let yourself shine in whatever capacity that is. Just be good with being you. Oh, man.
1: That... Okay. Uh, well, um. I can't say much after that. That is amazing. So let's move on to episode 16. And we meet Paul. And Paul had a really amazing story because he overcame, he was faced, he faced at a very young age, a physical obstacle that he soon realized that he had to use his mental power to overcome. And by him doing that, he also helped other people change their perception about him as well. So he was born with cerebral palsy, po- cerebral and he was told he would never walk properly again, and um, that he would have to rely on a wheelchair. But thankfully, his mother didn't listen too hard to that doctor because she pushed him to overcome his limitations. And through Paul's perseverance, he ended up dealing. He dealt with his share of bullying, but he ended up proving not only to himself and others that he could do it, and he ended up becoming the pitcher his junior year in high school, a pitcher of his team, which was amazing. So he is now a motivational life coach at a call to action. And he also has a podcast called Actions and Limits. And Paul is just an injection of absolute positivity and just you can do this and I'm going to be there to help you. There are no tricks. It is all about helping people overcome the negative limitations that we place in our mind and how we, any of us, if Paul can do it, we can all do it. So um, let's tune in to this episode and see what Paul has to say.
6: Um, But I did get my second break around when I was six or seven. I got surgery on my right foot to give me a little bit more spring in my step, a little bit more mobility. And I didn't test it out yet, but I switched schools around that same time. So I remember my first day of PE, physical education, we did our stretches and the teacher said, okay, run a lap. And I'm thinking to myself, here we go again. Everybody's gonna see that I can only run so far and the teasing will start. But this time was different. Uh, the 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 moment where I normally have to stop, I was able to keep going. And I'm saying to myself, come on, Paul, keep going, buddy, keep going. And I ran the lap with all the other kids on the outside. I kept it cool, but on the inside, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Finally, I just felt like one of the kids, I didn't stand out. So from there, things did get easy, but I wouldn't call them easy. Uh, I changed schools around uh, junior high, which being a new kid in junior high with no disability is tough. But being a new kid with a disability, it's even tougher, it's brutal. And uh, I remember being bullied teased pretty much every single day.
1: Kids can be uh, so cruel.
6: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And just staying in my room, just crying, going, why me? Why do I have to be different? Why can't I just be one of the other kids? Mm -hmm. And uh, I I would say around midway through my eighth grade, I had to take a a test to get in. I went to a Catholic high school. I had to take an assessment test. And I guess I didn't do well on the test or whatever. And the principal told my my mom oh we'll let him into the school but he's not college material after one test they tell me that so I got that going on I got you know bullying teasing going on so I I was just kind of sick of it I was just I I I didn't know what to do and but I knew that I didn't want to feel uh this way anymore I didn't want to feel angry or sad so I thought to myself what could I do so I made a goal for myself I said you know what I want to make my varsity baseball team so I started playing fall ball winter ball spring ball and if I wasn't doing that, I was throwing a tennis ball against the wall. I was doing that over and over again. And the great thing about when I started this goal and this new mindset, the kids started changing their mindset about me. Instead of uh, bullying and teasing me, they actually started rooting for me. So it was kind of cool that I changed mm-hmm. my perspective of myself. And in turn, they changed their perspective about me. And I'm happy to say I did make my varsity baseball team my junior and senior year. Uh, when I feel like when you set a goal, it should be something that you enjoy, that you, so you should enjoy doing the journey, right? I mean, a lot of times people are set these goals that they don't even want to do. Like, I got I a friend who wanted to be a lawyer, and I, I didn't even think he liked law, but, you know, because he thought he wanted to be a lawyer. And it's like, no, you, you, you don't want to even do it. You just... I think you think that that's what your parents want you to do or or whatnot, but you're not really enjoying it. So why are you doing it? You should do what you want to do because I'm not saying that everything in your journey is going to be sunshine and roses, but you have to at least enjoy it uh, most of the time, because if you don't, then what's the point of doing it? Because on the, on the times that you want to quit, if it's something you really want to do, you're going to find a way over it because you enjoy it so much. If it's something you really don't want to do and you, you get a wall, you're going to be like, well, forget this, this is too hard or I don't even want to do it anyway. So it's important when you set your goals, it's something you truly want to do. and, it, and if you don't you, know, you set a goal and you decide this is not what you want to do, great, that's fine. You tried it. you don't have any regrets, you went for it. Now you'll try something new. and, and that's the most important thing.
1: All right. Well, I hope you were just as inspired as I was uh, by talking with Paul. I just I was very refreshed by that and just excited and just felt like, yes, we can do this. We all have those moments of doubt. But uh, with someone like Paul in our corner, how can we fail? So let's move right along to episode number 17, where we kind of change things up a little bit because we brought in Kathy and her worms. But honestly, don't let this talk fool you, we didn't just talk about composting and worms and how they'll change the world, thanks to Kathy, but also Kathy is an amazingly bright, funny, funny woman who uses laughter as therapy to overcome things. And, you know, you can't help but listen to this episode and not only be encouraged that we can make a difference in the trash that we are accumulating on this planet, and and reducing our environmental footprint, but also, oh my gosh, you just you can't help but laugh and smile when you when you hear her talk. She just is an amazing lady. So, she has a lot of different projects. She has a documentary film, Squirm, about worms. All of this are, were, we're in the show notes. But let's tune in for just a little bit and see what Kathy has to say to us.
7: You know I, I've had so many wonderful um, uh, mentors and people that gave me these pearls of advice so that women's course that I was in they would have uh, graduates come in and talk to us and I remember oh so clearly this woman came in she was in marketing she was a grad from the course and she didn't be in business for three years and I was like Wow, I just want to be in business for three years. Oh my gosh, that's wow, three years, so great. And I could, was so excited about the idea of being in business for three years. Her advice was, when you work at home and you're, it's just you, there you are, working on your thing, your dream, you know, you're doing it. Sometimes you're not doing it because you're, you're stuck in your head. Things just aren't working, you're stuck. She said, if you're stuck and you have a deadline, and nothing's happening, get out of your house. Like, just get out. <laughs> go for a walk, you know, go take a shower, just like well, that's in your house, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, get, get
1: <laughs> <laughs> go to someone else's house, take a
7: shower. <laughs> take a shower at someone else's house. <laughs> like, go change your scenery so then you can have some fresh things because you're stuck. You're something's happening and n- nothing's happening.
1: Yeah. That's, and- really true that's happened to me before where, and, and you feel it's counterintuitive because you're like I have to get this thing done I've got a deadline it's not working the computer's not you know and you're yelling at the computer and you're frustrated and you're like I need to work harder to make it work and it's so counterintuitive to like disconnect and, and step away but every time I've done that and I come back I get it done twice as fast like it's yeah. just it's like something just gets released the energy just Same starts to move come in.
7: Yeah, new things come in, and I, you know, that's another piece I would really would love to emphasize is, you know, we've all been going along in our life, and then uh, we get this idea, and it's just like woo, and we get all fired up. We're like, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Maybe for a business or a hobby, just somewhere you want to go. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a business. Something you get this idea, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's so great. What most people do is they start talking about that idea in their mind. And it's like, oh, remember last time this happened, that happened. Oh, yeah, I don't want to look stupid. Okay, maybe I'll just shelve that. So we put that idea on the shelf, and then we forget about it. And then we, you know, just get on with our day. I'm encouraging people just to go ahead. You get that idea, you get fired up. That's a message from source. That's from God or universe, whatever you want to Mm -hmm. call it that's a divine thing that was given to you. And it's given to, I say six people, but I don't know how many people around the world get that same idea where it's like, Oh, that's so great. And everyone gets fired up. One person acts on it. And then later on, you're like, that was my idea. Oh, I had that idea. Yeah. That person did it and you put it on the show. So I want to encourage people to, when they get fired up, that's when your heart's singing that's when you have to take action, like something, just put something in place so that that can come to life. Cause we need leaders right now. We really need people to step up.
1: All right. Let's go out there and compost and make a difference, uh, and laugh while we're doing it. Huh? So, okay. We're on episode 18 already episode 18 was my first duo cabrina and jimmy bedwell and oh we had such a great chat but more than anything i was just really blown away by the frankness of this couple of the adversity they went through with jimmy losing his job through covid and cabrina kind of taking the reins and being the breadwinner of the family and how that wasn't really received well by everyone their friends and family And even Jimmy didn't really appreciate what her business was about until he started working for her and how that really transformed not only their marriage, but, and their family situation, but also their business is booming. So, um, this was a really just a sweet chat with, and I know that it's a struggle for couples. It's a struggle right now with everything going on. So uh, hopefully this is encouraging. Let's tune in and see some of the wisdom that Jimmy and Cabrina have to share with us.
8: Really when I kind of noticed my wife started working hard was six hours after our daughter was born, she was on a conference call with one of the clients. And I literally like stood there, like kind of with my mouth dropped and I was like, I can't believe you're doing that.
9: Yeah, well, and we hadn't told anybody because I had this long email that I was going to send out that next Monday of, hey, you know, I'm going to be taking maternity leave. I'm, gonna, I'm due in about a month um, just to let you know this is what it'll look like. And we didn't get to that day because all of a sudden our water broke <laughs> and which has never happened. In all four of my children, this is the only time that it ever Broke by itself. Yeah, and we were like, "Okay, well, this is different."
8: <laughs> so we had a baby. Baby was a month for NICU. Came home. I was trying to find a job where I was going to make make the mortgage, and then and then COVID hit, and quickly overnight, I literally became a stay at home dad, with Cabrino working her butt off to help maintain us so we could stay in our house. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like for me, like I, I was, I was scared beyond all reason. And then I was like, well, if you're watching the kids right now, don't apply for crappy jobs, you know, cause that's not going to help. And I was like, well, watching the kids shouldn't be that hard. And literally I found out how hard it was. It was like working from the moment you got up to the moment you got to sleep uh, and literally during this whole time, I'm watching Sabrina get up early, working on her business. And she's like, Jimmy, I'm doing this with my business. I'm doing that with my business. And I was, she didn't know, it, but I was listening in on her conversations with her clients. And I literally like, it, literally like I was taken back and I just said, Cabrina has so much more leadership skills And knowledge-based skills on business than I ever did.
9: I mean from a woman perspective I know one of the biggest things especially that we started out with is sometimes your spouse is not supportive and it's because not necessarily because they're a bad person or any of that it's because they don't understand how this world works and that it is possible to make money doing this we have a bad taste Mm -hmm. in our mouth from other businesses that were considered remote that didn't do it right and Mm -hmm. that still don't do it right and it's one of those things where you have to show them and be understanding that this is a totally new world for them because like you asked us about how our family reacted to it they're getting better Now that they see that this is sustainable and that we make more money than a lot of them that are in full-time nine to five jobs, they're like, Oh, maybe this isn't as bad as we gave it a wrap for. And then giving yourself grace, especially as a mom, that it's not going to happen as fast as you want it to. Like it took two and a half solid years before we were at a spot where I felt like I was making the money that I needed to, to support all of us. And I'm glad that we got there before this point. But you know, don't feel like you need to quit your job tomorrow in order to make things work. Because sometimes that dead end job that you hate is what finances the dreams for the long run. Yeah. And I mean, I can tell you that like, it's our story is really fun. Now that we're in this spot, but I can tell you that October, the day he lost his job, I was sitting in counseling, figuring out what getting divorce papers would look like
4: yeah.
9: seven and a half months pregnant, mm, scary, months pregnant, something like that. But you know, it was one of those things where if it wasn't for this, what people would consider bad things that had happened and he hadn't lost his job, there's a good chance that we wouldn't even be married and we wouldn't even be in this spot that we are now. So it's, I like to joke that it's like when you redirect your kids from the negative to the positive, we had to really quickly say, okay, well this isn't working out. How can we make it work in our favor and redirect ourselves to make it work
1: out? Oh yeah. All right. I hope that that was inspiring. I hope you enjoyed hearing that. Um, and just that, you know, we find ourselves in situations, and it's all about pivoting and learning to grow and figuring out how to do things differently. Sometimes traditional roles aren't the way to go. All right, so now we go to episode 19. And this was really fun for me because Ashley Peak Wellman, while she is a criminologist, she is also an amazing mother lady who's overcome some really really unexpected odds and she is now thriving she has a new book out my friend Fresno the girl who dances with skeletons where her daughter Reagan takes kind of front and center on uh the main character and is Fresno's friend and you just oh this talk has so many laughs and also so many like oh my moments um I just really I felt like I instantly, Ashley and I were buddies and like we'd known each other forever. Um, she is just amazing. And, and I also love her passion and compassion for working on cold cases and trying to help people solve the unsolved mysteries of their loved ones. Um, I think that that's something that's just so powerful. So, um, tune in to this episode, but let's Take a little peek and hear what Ashley has to say for us.
0: It was so crazy. We had just gone on like the perfect date the night before. It was just, it was just wild. Um, and it's something about like, I kissed him goodbye, you know, in the hospital and there's no protocol and I specialize in grief and trauma, right? And here I am a widow. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So I kiss him goodbye. I promise him that I'm going to make a magical life for his daughter. And at the same time, I'm like angry and sad and and confused as to, why would I be the one who you left? Like, why would God leave me? And all I know to do is go to Barnes and Noble, my old stomping grounds. And I, I run in and I'm like, I need every bereavement book for kids and I'm a hot mess. Um, and I said you know my husband just died i need these books for my kids and this poor little 19 year old kid is you know stumbling through the bookshelves trying to find these books for me and my biggest task like i didn't even think about that i'm a widow my first task was that i have a four-year-old who i have to go tell her dad died yeah and I used to tease them like I could disappear and be on a deserted island and no one would know I was gone from the house because they were just the best together. And it was so easy for him as a dad. So I tell her, you know, I tell her that her dad passed away. And that started probably a three or four month just living nightmare of dealing with Two things, my grief as a woman and as a, you know, as a mother, but then her grief and working so hard to say, Reagan, you're going to see me struggle and you're going to see me find joy and you're going to see me get professional help. And we're going to get you professional help. And it really was this, um, the start. Yeah. Thank you. It was the start of like this self-discovery and this fight for sanity or whatever, you know, you could think of, um, I had gotten bereavement leave, thank God, for four months. And so that's kind of what that first four months consisted of. In that four months, I was told by a dear friend, go write, not research, creative stuff, which ends up two years later being a significant deal. But at the time was really this way to heal. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna set aside murder and sexual assault for a few minutes. And I'm dealing with my own trauma. See, what had been so my passion about the advocacy work that I did is that I didn't know that pain. And so as I felt that trauma and pain, not the same, but that level of trauma and pain, it wasn't as attractive anymore to focus on other people's trauma in that moment. I wasn't healthy enough to do that. Yeah, sure. So I started writing. Um, and I would go up to work and kind of work and write and um, I have an amazing colleague who's a dear friend And he and I started writing a ghost book all kinds of fun things And it was the first time I really saw color after Buddy died, you know, like and it could it sounds crazy But I could see what I was writing and I could feel these magical worlds that I was writing about and um, then they announced that this job we moved for opened so I'm like, oh my God, the heavens, I hated you, God, but I really appreciate you creating this position right away, right? Like, yeah. you're kind of an asshole, but I really love you. So thank you. Um, my mom gets so mad at me, <laughs> if I'm honest about <laughs> But I think
1: honestly, everyone has those moments. So, right? uh, you know, I'm a Christian too. It's like, right? we, we, it's real. Like it's not all like rainbows. And, no, and the people and, that know. have
0: that flawless faith, I go more power to you, but I relate so much more to a fellow Christian woman that goes, yeah, it sucks. This is, <laughs> this yeah, is like we're going to do it. We're not going to, you know, we still love I, you. You're still there. The fact that I'm talking to you is a still big number deal.
1: one, but yes. I'm just not real, you know. Yes. Happy. I tried to, ex-
0: I tried to explain <laughs> it to my mom, you know, Hey, we're, we're allowed to get mad at our parents, right. Which we do very frequently. So if he is my father, I'm allowed to be frustrated with him. And so
1: Absolutely. he
0: understands no one else really needs to, but, um, yes. I, I love the big guy. I really do. Yeah. Um, but so this job. Comes-
1: All right. Oh, I hope that you enjoyed that. And, you know, we followed up and finished out this round of episodes with Ashley's friend from childhood, Katie Mild. And I did not know this when I booked these interviews. So this was really fun to find out. Um, Katie and I equally had an amazing, fun conversation. Um, Katie took the uh, unexpected turn from being a naval officer to a startup COO to real estate entrepreneur, and then realizing that she had her real strength was in finance, and how she could really provide valuable coaching for independent contractors who really didn't know what to do with their money. So um, Katie talks about building a runway, and I am excited to I've got a field that I am preparing for my runway. Um, We're all at different phases of the game. But Katie, I loved her refreshing approach about figuring out Your emotions around money, either from your family or what you've always been told or felt and working through that so that you can become successful and that we all deserve to have the most amazing retirement and have all the abundance uh, in our lives. And so um, definitely check out the show notes and links to her coaching, but also let's tune in and see what she has to say to us on this final episode of this round of Retro.
10: I'm, so I'm at this, I'm at this corporate job and, so, and again, professionally, some of the skills that I learned there, I wouldn't trade for the world. You know, that was my first actual, like real corporate job post-military. I learned all about contract management. Um, that was like the biggest takeaway in that role. So there was, it, it was, it was, a, it was a great professional experience from there, but about a year in to this role, I knew I'm like, again, something isn't, it's like, I feel closer, but something isn't right. Mm -hmm. Um, the best thing, I think that two things that came out of the Philadelphia chapter of my life that I am so grateful for one it's where I met my husband, actually. So it's, I moved to this city that I don't, where I don't know anybody. And I remember going in thinking just like, I'm going to be open-minded. I'm going to, I'm going to make great friends here. I'm going like, like you said, a change of scenery can just be so inspiring in a different way. I remember going in and thinking I'm going to just do things differently and be more open. And I met my husband uh, within a few months of moving there. And so it was, it was neat to actually grow in that chapter. He was learning Philadelphia too. So we, it's like, we got to know this really cool city. It became ours and we learned it together. Oh, that's Um, awesome. So see, that was worth it. Right there. Oh, completely, completely worth it. Um, And then the other big thing professionally, when I, when I started to realize, okay, this, this particular role, corporate procurement, while lucrative, it's not, it's I'm not happy. it's not my thing. Um, that's when real estate started to really take hold in my mind. So real estate had always been a part of my life. My mom was a realtor back in the 80s. Um, and it's quick side note on her my when my mom was like back in the 80s, she was a heyday like awesome realtor like really really good at her job. And when she was pregnant with me um, and actually going into labor, she prospected. The delivery doctor who delivered me, so he happened to mention to her, like while she's laboring, oh, like I'm, I need, you're a realtor, like I need to list my house for sale. So my mom, like, got to work, and she started like pitching to him about all the reasons why he should give her the listing. And when I was born, within a couple hours after, no joke, my mom gave him a listing contract, and he signed it, and she listed his house for sale. So oh my God, that is that is passion. Was, like, us like she was like a real estate boss she was really good so she had always been passionate about real estate um she does a lot of real estate investing on the side always has so i i grew up with real estate kind of always being in the background mm-hmm. of life right like my mom had rental properties and that kind of thing so i it was always an interest but i didn't really think it could be something that i could do full time I, I don't know why but just i just thought well you know, it's kind of like a thing in the background, but it's not going to be a full-time gig. Mm -hmm. So when I'm at this procurement job in Philly, that voice is getting louder and louder and louder, and I can't ignore it. And I finally, I reached a point where I thought, you know, I'm not, yes, I have a stable job. Yes. It's a great six figure job. Like I've got a lot of income coming in, but I'm miserable every day. Yeah. yeah. So I put together a plan and I said, okay, I'm going to, I, I probably, I prepped to become a full-time realtor for about six, seven months before actually taking the leap. Um, I, I went to my job every day while working on licensing, like all the Mm -hmm. classes and stuff at nighttime. Um, I saved money because it was really important to me to have a really big runway financially built up. Um, and, yeah, I, I, like I like that. I like
1: that runway. I like <laughs> runway. that image. That's that's it, great.
10: It, it's runway is so important, and that's what I know. We'll get into it, but like that's what when I coach when I coach agents when I coach my clients. Now I'm all about what is your runway? How long can you last? Um, And there are <laughs> how long you last? because not only just the financial and numbers, but the emotional side. Yeah, right. Because yeah. if you don't if you don't have enough runway, you're gonna be feeling the stress. So it's like, how can you minimize as much of that stress from the outset? Yes. I know we'll get into all that. Yes, yes, I'm excited.
1: Um, But also, can I just note for a second though, that one of the things I'm loving that I'm hearing that you keep repeating is this idea that you kept hearing, you kept listening to your gut and you kept hearing these voices. I mean, you know, I, I just love that like your true passions and your true like compass will always point out things. You just have to really pay attention. And I love that you were so in tune with yourself that you were like, ah, this is good, but, uh, but, you know, and you kept working towards like having that resonate a little bit more, more closely, more truthfully.
10: Absolutely. It's, um, I think it's a shame when, I, well, I, I think, how do I say this? I think that ev- everybody really, really knows what they actually want to be doing in life. They have a feeling, they have it in their gut. Sadly, I think that most people don't listen to it. Mm
3: -hmm. And
10: they go through life just ignoring it and pressing those feelings down and just getting through the motions. And I think it was one of my one of my favorite quotes. It's actually a different favorite quote. I have I have another quote I'll share with you. But okay, good. One of my favorite quotes um, from Les Brown. Um, and he says, I'm kind of paraphrasing it, but he says, the richest place in the world is the graveyard because it's where all the dreams of people who, people who have passed all their unrealized dreams, oh. it's where they lay now. And it's mm. very sobering when you think about that. And he has this analogy, Les Brown has this analogy of imagine being on your, I'm getting chills thinking about it. Imagine being on your deathbed and you're surrounded by the ghosts of all those unrealized dreams. So like if you had a dream of becoming an award-winning realtor, if you had a dream of writing a New York Times bestseller, if you had a dream dream of becoming a multimillionaire, if you had a dream of having a family and you put it off, if you had a dream of traveling the world, whatever those dreams are, but imagine them, the ghosts of those dreams surrounding you on your deathbed. And they're looking at you saying, we came to you because you're the only one who could make it happen. And now we have to die with you. Mm -hmm. I know I, I get, I mean, I get goosebumps repeating it. And when you think about that, um, When you think about your dreams as being, it's not just a dream, it's actually an obligation and you owe yourself the opportunity to go pursue it and at least try to make it happen. When you think about it as a duty and an obligation, it completely shifts how you approach life.
1: All right, so that's it. That wraps up our Retro twenty. And I hope that you enjoy taking a little sneak peek of all of these episodes. They are all available on your favorite podcast forum or YouTube, our YouTube channel. Um, And, you know, I just, I love re-listening to these as well. So um, definitely check out the full episodes. They are worth your time. And in the meantime, I will be drumming up some new interviews for this coming next episode. I will be on episode 22. So very exciting. Anyway, thank you again so much for listening and supporting Flipping Dreams and sharing it with your friends and family and neighbors and strangers. Um, We really appreciate your your interest. And, you know, this is a passion project and do this out of love. I do this um, from my heart to yours. And so I am grateful that you are listening. Uh, You can reach us as always um, at... HeatherReneeMay.com, and uh, you can also find us at underscore EverydayIsMay on Instagram, at Heather Renee May on Facebook, at Flipping Dreams on Twitter. Um, anyway, it's been great. It's been fun so far, and I'm looking forward to kicking off this next round. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Flipping Dreams.